The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 51 for 51 2006. <laughs> Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab. I'm Dave Hamilton, and I'm not here with John Braun. John's back at his house, but he's on I, Skype with me. How are you, John? I could have been there. With, well, I was you there were with here, you, but, and you got but, lazy all weekend and didn't want a podcast. You were on vacation, man. You were on vacation. <laughs> I was going to do a podcast on vacation. Wow. Well, that shows dedication for you, folks. <sighs> lack thereof. Well, yeah, well, that's kind of what I mean. I'm staying to schedule. Happy May Day. Mayday. Yeah. Yeah. Did I tell you about the TMO union? Or, you it's know. International Workers Day as well. Yeah. Viva yeah. la revolution. Oh, boy. Something like that. Yeah. We'll, 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 make, we'll make our demands later. Okay. Were you on strike this weekend? Is that what it was? <sighs> yeah. That, that was it. So one thing that, that we were able to do this weekend was uh, on Friday, uh, shortly after John arrived, the UPS guy arrived with a little toy that John and I got to play with with the iPod. And that is uh, something called the iTheater. So we're going to talk about that today. Uh, we've got, of course, our continuing conversations on all sorts of things, including music recognition services, boot camp, and uh, a couple of audio comments about various topics as well. Um, and then there's some cool stuff, actually, that you found that we want to share with the rest of you. So there's Me? plenty to talk oh. about here. Yeah, not you. I mean, the cool stuff that, that you know, that, that, yeah, our listeners found. One yeah, so it was fun to corner. The, we had to corner the. Uh, well, no, we we caught the uh, UPS guy as he was dropping off. Trapped your, uh, him. Trapped him in the driveway. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so what'd you get? Yeah. Some, yeah. Some, so uh, so we we got this eye theater, and and what it is is it it there, kind of there's the promise, and then there's the, yeah. Well, so it, the promise. Well, let's tell him what it is first, John. Right? Can we tell him uh, oh, what it is? Oh. Like in concept, at least it's a visor. Okay. It, it's a visor that you wear. It looks like if you're a Star Trek geek, it looks like that thing Jordy wore, right? It's kind of like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very, very slim visor that goes over your, uh, over your eyes, of course. And then it's got little earphones in it, too, that sort of drop down from the visor and little earbuds that you can pop into your ears. And it's got this little adapter that then plugs into your iBod, iBod, iPod or your, uh, your DVD player or pretty much whatever else uh, you could get a signal into it. It's, it's got a couple of different options. And that's what it does. It's built to, to watch video on, uh, you know, privately, personally, right? Mm-hmm. The, and, you know, it's cool. It looks cool. And it, it works. It does what, it's, what you would expect it to do. Except the advertising for it says something about it being a 50-inch TV. It's like you're sitting eight feet away from a 50-inch TV. And, of course, all the pictures show this 50-inch widescreen TV. It's not widescreen. The iPod's not widescreen. It's four by three, regular standard television uh, proportions. And I, I wasn't all that uh, convinced that it was like sitting eight feet away from a 50-inch TV. Were you, John? No, it, it, it looked smaller than that. It did look smaller than that. Now, once you got over the disappointment of, of being led to believe one thing and then actually seeing the reality... It actually was pretty cool. I mean, the way it interfaced with the iPod was perfect. The iPod basically saw it like a television. It, it plugged into the top of the iPod, into the, uh, the, the uh, headphone connector, 
Yeah, uh, what a wacky. It's a four, it's a, like a four conductor. Yeah. It's, a, it's the wackiest uh, yep. mini plug I've ever seen. Yep. Yeah, four. But I guess that's probably standard for the uh, the, the video iPod. To get the video to out. To do its thing. That's right. Yeah. yeah boy, this thing came with a plethora of connectors. It sure did. My good, and Dave and I just, we did instructions. Well, we'll get to those in a moment. That's but right. We just dove right in and using our, our, you know, mad geek skills, we were able to figure out what to plug into what. So it was good in that respect that you didn't have to, uh, you know, read the instructions to figure it out. At least we didn't. And, and we suspect most of our listeners. No, you wouldn't. I mean, it, it's pretty obvious. You, there's one thing that only fits into the iTheater, and then there's one thing that pretty much fits into your iPod. And then there's a cable left extra that you would use to plug into your DVD player or, or whatever. But uh, we didn't try it with that. We just... Plug it into the iPod. We'll we'll assume that the the cable for the DVD player for the moment will work. Um, but it wasn't bad, uh, especially watching iPod content. I, I mean, it if I if I were on an airplane with this thing, I'd be totally stoked because it was really comfortable to wear, and uh, and and it you know it worked fine. It was better than than looking at the little screen on the iPod, um, and let you you know it it didn't. It didn't trap out the world. Everything you can see above and below it very easily. You almost would want the thing a little closer to your face, uh, but it it worked. It it you know you could eat and use this thing, and it'd be like eating and watching TV. It'd be like TV dinner. What now do you, you have to. The thing I'd say though is, that, and this, this is something I'm not familiar with, is that the yeah. operation. My expectation was that the menus from the video iPod would come up on this device. And that is, but, but that's more, mm. I think an operational, the, the way the video iPod works. I, I was expecting you plug this in and yep. you're totally navigate. You're doing everything. Yeah. Now I've got, the visor. I've got one of the, um, one of the DLO home pods, which is mm. a, uh, a dock that lets you plug your, your video iPod or really any iPod into your home theater or uh, into your television. And mm. I've watched TV shows with this thing. And with that, uh, even though that uses the dock connector on the bottom and also charges it while it's doing it, it doesn't it doesn't show the menus on the on the screen. Now I have the older version of the HomePod. The newer version apparently does uh, let you see menus on the screen, so it is possible for this to happen um, in some way, shape, or form. I'm not sure exactly what DLO is doing to make that happen. Maybe we need to get one of those and check it out too. But yeah. um, but it, you know this thing worked. It, and the kid, I tried it on, you know, obviously John and I each tried it on. My wife, Lisa, tried it on. And both of my kids tried it on. And it worked fine for all of us, which which is saying something because, you know, everybody's got different size heads. And especially with the kids, and a lot of times mm-hmm. headphones don't fit them right or whatever. And this totally worked because it was just little earbuds and the, the, mm-hmm. the visor thing worked fine. There were a couple of different attachments to make the visor a little more comfortable um, depending on, you know, the shape and size of your face. But it worked great. Uh, you know, and if you had your kids in the car, you get two of these and a couple of video iPods, load them up with some movies, and mm-hmm. uh, you can crank your tunes, and the kids are none the wiser. So yes, because I oh, and and I learned a little bit about kids and uh, mm-hmm. you know being essentially part of the family for yeah. for yeah. the weekend. John was part um, of the family. That's right. Yeah, kids are just unpredictable. Yeah, like like the rest of us humans, <laughs> <laughs> they are actually little humans. Uh, yeah. Now a rant, a, a little rant here. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't know. The the documentation. Oh yeah. Was in what I would call English <laughs> or Japlish or whatever. It's just that, <laughs> and you've probably seen this before. I'm I'm sorry. It's a, you, you know must. I don't have to be politically correct. It it was 
poorly translated it, it was, from an Asian language. I'm going to imagine Japanese. Yeah. And, and some of them are outright hilarious. And we'll, we'll do a link. There is a site out there called English.com, and it's okay. an example of poor translation. And, and there, are, you know, I have a lot of uh, Asian friends, and, and there are just some, some differences in the language Absolutely. that are really hard b- between any Asian language and English, where yep. you're going to see these things. But it was quite obvious that uh, these were not written initially in English. I mean, some of them were kind of hilarious, the, the way they described it. But, but they, they, they kind of put you on the right path. Yep. Oh, yeah. I mean, it um, definitely told you what to do. And there were a couple things that, you know, it made sense. It's like, oh, OK, I understand this now, you know. But but yeah, I mean, the documentation was lacking. It, it wouldn't have taken, uh, you know, someone more than a couple of hours to clean it up and make it look good. But then again, mm-hmm. it did get it got the point across. So maybe that's all they were going for with it. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, now the price? How? Uh, what's the the retail yeah, on well this? Well, that it's yeah, and it's a it's three twenty by two forty resolution on the screen. So okay. that, that's you know that's what you're getting in there, and it's two of course two screens uh, showing a stereo image essentially to your eyes, one to each mm-hmm. eye, of course. Uh, the the price on it is four ninety nine. Ooh, yeah. I, How much is a video iPod? Uh, what about four hundred bucks? Right. Ooh. Yeah. So. Mm. Uh, a little, a little pricey. Um, my guess is these kinds of things are actually going to get more popular because they're the kind of things that you could use with all kinds of different, uh, mm-hmm. you know, all kinds of different stuff, right? Um, your yeah. playstations or you know what, whatever. So, yep. and to their credit, they gave you adapters for. I think there were some, uh, you know, RCA or composite yeah. video adapters, right? Yeah. So it's not just video iPod. I think it's pretty much any video device. Pretty much, um, if it's got, you could pop this into. Yeah, composite out, and you're good to go. So, uh, so I'll give them that. Yeah. So, um, it it a little pricey, but it, it is cool, you know. And, and we all kind of said that as we as we put it on. You know, each of us adults, Lisa included, we put it on and tried it. And at first, it was a little disappointing because of all the hype. And then it was like, you know, it's not what I thought it would be, but it was pretty cool. So, you know, um, I will be sad to send it back. I'll, I'll say that. So that's the uh, and typically with review stuff, we've got to send it back. And of course, this is one of those things. So but I'll, I'll definitely, you know, play with it a little more for the for the next couple of weeks and then and we'll send it back and on to the next thing. Yeah. So I'd say knock down the price a bit, uh, yeah. fix up the documentation. Uh, otherwise, I, w- I would say the execution from a technical point yeah, of view it works other than it not being a 50 inch screen mm-hmm. um it's very good yeah yeah all righty all right uh we've Moving got moving right along uh, we've got all kinds of stuff to go through Boat so load. yeah i guess we'll stick with uh with the format that we've been using lately here and that is continuing to introduce uh new topics here and then we'll move on to uh the continuing conversations. Of course, if you want your topic addressed here, send it to MacGeekGab at MacObserver.com. Phone it in to 206-666-GEEK. Geek. Yep. Or Skype it to MacGeekGab. Uh, and that's that. So the, the, the first thing, the first new thing I wanted to talk about was uh, this email that came in. Oh, and I'm looking in the wrong spot here. That's okay. Uh, this email came in, that, that came in from Tim. And he says, I'm a longtime listener, so I'm sure you'll dazzle me. Oh, no, never mind. Uh, you folks are going to dazzle him. I'm a middle school teacher, and my students have the opportunity to turn in their work to me through email. The problem is that they keep sending me .wps files from Microsoft Works, and I cannot find a way to view and or print these documents on my Mac. 
Do you have any idea about this, John? Because I've been through this before, and it's not a fun process. Um, my initial thing yep. is that I would try um, a little ditty from our friends at DataViz. Yep. Oh, gosh. And uh, what do they have? Uh, Documents to Go, I Doc- believe it is? Well, that Documents to Go is the, uh, is the thing for Palms, isn't it? Or... Um, but yeah, they have a, a bunch of products. So yeah, I'm sorry, I don't have the exact product name, but Dataviz, and, and actually, if if I'm not mistaken, they're still located here in Connecticut. I think Trumbull. Yeah. And uh, I they think, are I think these Mac, guys. MacLink Plus is that what you're, that what you're thinking? Okay. Of? Yes. So Documents to Go is the Palm version where you can get documents onto your Palm, and uh, yeah. So as you said, and these guys are, I've I've actually uh, you know talked to a few of the folks there a little while ago, and these guys are experts in converting. Yep between different formats and for a while there they actually included a trial version of their product with uh i don't with know if they OS do it on os 10 but os 9 yeah uh for quite a while you get a trial version and you know the the mess of formats out there and you know people are just not everybody has to do their own thing so, so that would be my one suggestion is to check out the database guys yeah uh and i did look on their site and they do uh conversions up to i think it's works 95 so hopefully that includes. Uh, I'm, I'm not too up. I, I really don't use Works, but uh, but they they claim to convert a number of Works formats over to other things, and, and they're pretty much a, from what I recall, a universal, you know, translate from this to that. Yep. So that if you want to pay a little money, and I think I, I saw the product was about a hundred bucks. So if if you have to deal with, uh, so that'd be my initial suggestion if uh, you have a little money in the budget to uh, pay for it is to. Uh, Check out the database product, and we we will link to that. Yep. So that would be my initial solution to this. Yeah, that, that that honestly, that's the only one that I I know of on the Mac. I know that Word uh, for the Mac will read older versions of of uh, Works files and and WordPerfect mm-hmm. files. Um, I know that that Pages will do some of that, but I had some files come in last year that I simply could not open on my Mac, and uh, and had to had to actually open them on my windows machine, save them as, you know, RTFs or something, and then, and then bounce them over to the Mac. So. Yep. And that was another thing I was going to mention is that from what I can see, RTF is a pretty good neutral format. Yeah. It does. It doesn't mean many word processors. It captures a lot of the formatting, yep. not stuff that, you know, like I would think tables and, get, you know, those get a little get, weird. Yeah. Yeah, but if you're talking, you know, like bold, italic, uh, stuff like that, where you're not doing a lot of things that are graphical or tables and stuff like that, I would think. Uh, so one thing is to say, you know, could you please save it in RTF yeah. and send it to me in that, and you, you may lose a little bit of uh, of the impact there, especially if it's you know, full of graphics or tables or weird formatting. But if you're talking just a you know pretty vanilla document with some formatting like bold and italic, I think suggesting that they save it in RTF would be another way to this issue i agree yeah yeah that's uh that's the way i would do it that's uh yeah I think I, rtf it, is rich text format rich text format that's right yeah if if any of you out there know the magic answer here uh if if there is something that's either freely available that will that will do this uh you know word perfect and work seem to be the the big ones uh, that just simply don't make it over at least with the the most mm-hmm. recent versions of them so if any of you know about this, please, please send us a comment, audio or text. We'll answer Or it. video. Well, hmm. 
Well, they could send us video, but then we'd have to kind of translate. Like if they were doing like the, you know, the Bob Dylan video thing where they were holding up signs to get the message across, right? The... Anyway, uh, let's see. Petey in Ireland writes in. Wow. And Ireland. Ireland. We have quite a few listeners in Ireland. So uh, maybe that, maybe that, that, uh, that, that warrants a tax deductible, de- ah, tax deductible trip to Ireland. <clears throat> Language cool. with Dave. Uh, let's see. Uh, so PD asks us, how big a deal is it to partition your hard drive and place your swap files in this new partition? And are the benefits worth it? I have an 80 gigabyte, 1.83 gigahertz MacBook Pro with 512 megs of RAM. Uh, so, you know, the way the way the Mac Unix and typically non Mac OS 10 uh, typically requires you to carve off a, a section of your hard drive as a separate partition and put the swap files there. Uh, it, of course, Mac OS 10 hasn't, uh, isn't built this way. What it does is it just has one big partition and then saves your swap files, uh, as individual files. The, the, the benefit of that is you don't have to partition your drive and you don't have to, to pre-reserve spots for your, uh, you know, space rather for your swap files. However, the downside is that the swap files can be placed anywhere on the drive. And sometimes, you know, that can really slow things down. Uh, depending on how fragmented your drive is, uh, et cetera. Now, of course, with, with you know the latest incarnation of 10.4.6, Apple has introduced the uh, command line-based uh, non-destructive repartitioning. So perhaps in the future, we'll, they'll change OS 10, right? So that you, you can have a separate partition and you pretty much won't even know it. Mm-hmm. Are the benefits worth it? They can be. It, it depends on, on how bloated your system gets. Uh, you know, honestly, the, the best place to put swap, of course, is on a totally separate platter. But that's not really usually economically feasible and certainly doesn't make sense in a, in a MacBook Pro because you'd have to cart along a you know, separate drive just for your swap space. And, and the benefits pretty much go out the window with that. Uh, it, they can be worth it, though. It, depending on how full your drive is, how fragmented the drive is, it, it, it can make a difference to have your swap on a separate partition. However, there is no officially supported way of doing this, right, John? I mean, this is this is you know totally geek stuff. If you screw things up, Apple will not help you. Uh, you you've got to go into the command line and and edit. Uh, I believe the RC conf files, if I'm if I'm not uh, mistaken. But it, it, I've done it with earlier versions of OS X, and you know, eh, I I wouldn't do it. I haven't done it. And I'm constantly running to the point where I've got two or three gigs worth of swap space on my on my uh, drive, despite the fact that I have two gigs of RAM. That does bring up the conversation of of RAM in and of itself. It you know is five twelve megs enough? In my estimation, my experience, absolutely not. OS ten? Yeah, for oh, OS ten. Oh no! no. no oh no, gosh! No. <laughs> so I think I think PD would be better served. Uh, just putting another stick of RAM in there, either putting another 512 in or really put, go ahead and put a gig stick in because you've only got two slots in the thing. That way you're up to a gig and a half. But I would say a gig minimum for OS X these days, especially on an Intel Mac where you're, you're going to be running some Rosetta stuff, which just chews up RAM all by itself. So, mm. And it's time for my mint tea, John. Mint tea. Mint tea. Mm. Refreshing. Uh very nice. You know, this this almost touches on a, a little rant that you had. I, I, I did. You know, you know where I'm going. It with does. Because I'm do. looking on my power book right now, and yeah. I personally 
I haven't booted. I haven't rebooted it for a while. Yeah, I have five, not three, not four, but five swap files. Oh yeah, I'll have five by the end of the day. It, <sighs> you know, I leave a lot of apps open. I do use a lot of Rosetta apps still. So you know, but it doesn't seem to make a difference. I've got two gigs of RAM. I had two gigs of RAM on my PowerBook, and it still bloats up with swap files. We've talked about that. The rant, if if you want to call it that, is mm-hmm. that you know so many people. A new update comes out, right? Ten four six comes out, and people launch it and you know install it right and they, of course they have to restart and and they say wow os 10 so much faster apple really made this faster they really did it yeah. no silly they didn't really do anything and i use silly nicely it has nothing to do with that it, it's that you restarted your computer and cleared out all the swap files that's what made it faster and if you let it you know there's so many people out there and I don't get this I mean I, I understand it but it, in a from a practical standpoint it makes zero sense and these are the people that that wear their uptime by like a badge of honor and I know I, I'm actually offending some of our listeners and, and so I'm gonna back this up yes here. you are yeah because it's a geek thing to do and I I get it with the Unix thing. I mean, like with the servers that that uh, that we have, and in the past, the servers that I've managed, I'm totally into the uptime thing. Don't get me wrong. You know, when I see a server that's been running for 400 days, that's rocking. That's great. You know, that means we've got things going. But in the, and we've talked about this before. In the server environment, you're running one app typically, or or you know, a couple of apps. You, apps you might have, you know, Apache and and maybe MySQL or something running on the same server and. Maybe that's a smart idea. Maybe it's not. Depends on your loads. But whatever. You've got a fixed number of apps that the computer does, you know, two or three things, and that's it. So it's not constantly launching and quitting and launching and quitting different apps. It may be forking different processes like Apache or, you know, MySQL or whatever, but it's just doing that. And so that's where that whole, you know, obsession with uptime started because it makes sense. Your swap is being used intelligently and efficiently because it's the same thing over and over and over again. You're just serving multiple people, you know, sometimes thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands. A desktop environment is a lot different than that, right, John? It, I mean, you're launching different apps. You're doing different things. Uh, you know, rebooting every couple of days at least probably isn't a bad idea at all. You know, getting things kind of flushing things out, cleaning out those swap files, run, run our favorite utility menu meters. And you'll see, you know, it'll tell you, look, you've got, you know, five swap files, six swap files, and things do get slower. You reboot, it'll be just like Apple issued an update. You know, you too can make your Mac faster. So, and I know some Windows admins who, uh, maybe not, well, yeah, sure, with 2003 or 2000 or NT or whatever. Yeah. Their general practice, just because, and I have seen this, um, Doing the development thing and using some yep. uh, tools like uh, Bounds Checker and some other things that would identify parts of the Windows OS that were being naughty and were leaking memory. Right. Here was the shocker is, um, well, some of the things that were leaking were Windows DLLs. Right. Yeah. And, and <laughs> so I-, I know some Windows admins who would, as a general practice, yep. on a weekly basis, would restart their machine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just to clear out the cruft and the, and the same sort of thing with the... Uh, yeah. You know, with OS 10 or, yeah. or pretty much any OS, especially, yeah, if, like you said, you're, you know, launching and quitting and, and you know, doing a whole, you know, unpredictable variety of applications. Exactly. Yeah. You know, maybe a reboot is, is good. Every it's now. not a bad thing. And it doesn't take that long. OS 10 really actually reboots very quickly compared to other OSs on the market. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, it it just makes sense. You know, and I mean, it, there there are memory leaks. You're almost guaranteed to be running an app with a memory leak. And maybe OS 10 has some, maybe it doesn't. You know, if you're running, I don't know, I, I have a couple of apps that I'm just convinced that, you know, have memory leaks, but it doesn't matter. I just keep using them. And maybe it's the way that I use them, or maybe it's whatever. But when I say memory leak, I mean that RAM grows like <clears throat> Safari. Uh, you know, it just bloats up and never release, releases it. When you launch Safari, yeah. you, have you noticed this? You launch Safari, it takes up oh, yeah. about 60 megs of RAM. If you look in the real memory column oh. in Activity Monitor. Over time, yeah. it gets to like 300. And, and then you, you close all the windows or close all the tabs. And you'd think it would just say, okay, yeah, I'll give this back now. Nope. Sure doesn't. Hangs you right onto that. I wonder if, if Safari is trying to cache stuff. For oh, I'm, you, sh- um, I'm sure it is. Yeah. For the for and a memory leak, technically, at least mm. from a developer point of view, right. is an application, uh, especially in C. Uh, you would have this, you know, phenomenon called dynamic memory allocation, okay. where you would basically allocate some memory. You would grab some memory, and the way that C works, especially with dynamic memory allocation, is you have to at some point release that memory and give it back to the OS. Now, if you're not careful, and this would typically be with, and this is getting, you know, highly, you know, in, in the C, yeah. uh, you would do a malloc, and you would say, okay, allocate this memory, and at some point, it's counting on you to pay attention and to free the memory and to give it back to the OS. Well, ah. time, there's nothing forcing you to do it, and that's where products like, now it's a bit, da- my, you know, expertise is a bit dated, but they did have something called bounds checker okay. that would, among other things, would kind of you know f- say, "Hey, you know what? You allocated that memory, and you never gave it back to the OS. And huh. if you don't give it back to the OS, that is one of the one of the ways to define a memory leak." Is, yeah. So is maybe maybe, you... Saf- maybe Safari is looking at the the amount of RAM that I have and and saying, "Okay, well, give me you know fifteen percent of it as a you know as a." A limit for my cache or whatever because i yeah you're right i've never seen safari grow to like a gig but i've seen system ui server grow to that grow that big yeah. um, and which makes me think that menu meters might have a might have its own little memory leak because of course yeah, system so. U, system ui server is the app that controls the menu bar mm. so yeah uh, so we may and and i'm sure our listeners will yep you know if we if we got that even a little bit wrong they will be you yeah. writing us it's good though it's it, no it's good but yeah but in I general mean, you can write an application that is not well written it grabs memory and it never gives it back to the os yeah. and the os it's like okay well whatever so if somebody knows how to tell safari not to you know to, to set safari's ram limit you know internally or whatever i'd love to know because i'd love to be able to tell safari look now, you know take you 128 know, megs of ram and and do with it what you want and leave me the rest please you know, you know. I'm going to try this because I have noticed this on the file menu, or I'm sorry, the Safari menu, yeah. and I'm going to try it right now, but okay. there's a, a choice called empty cache. You think you that know, empties gonna, the RAM cache, John? Well, you know, I'm going to do it right Well, you know, I'm going to, I'm, for the listeners, I'm going to do it right now. Right okay. now, I'm showing 870 megs allocated, and I know, I'm only running. Uh, on real memory? I'm only running Safari um, and my well, email open, open, open activity. This is a good little, you know... Follow the geek experiment. Open Activity Monitor, right? And and tell us what's in the real memory column for Safari. Okay, here we go. Here comes Activity Monitor. You know, I've got a I've got a snare drum about six feet from me here. I should be doing a drum roll for him, John. <laughs> <laughs> All right, real memory Safari two seventy seven megabytes. Virtual right. memory seven thirteen. Okay. All right. Now now go do your empty thing. 
I'm gonna say empty cache. Now could we do <laughs> And well, menu meters didn't say anything. Let's look at activity monitor. Look at yeah, look at Safari and see. Oh, oh all right. Real memory two twenty five. Virtual memory six forty. So it did reduce it, huh? It went down a little bit. Hey, all right. There you go. It's now, the dr the drum roll was what did it, you know. Yeah. So this was impromptu, but <laughs> as was the some drum roll. listeners like that, and some just grind their teeth. And, uh, but anyways, there you go. so and uh, that was a good, pretty good rant. It was a I good feel rant. A lot better. Yeah. I hadn't gotten to play my drums today either, so that was nice. You know, a little warm up. That was live. <laughs> I just did that now. Yeah, I reached. Out, I got that snare drum right here. <laughs> All right, what's next here? Uh, I have no idea. Uh, let's see. I got to get back to this here. All right. Well, you know, we started talking about non-destructive repartitioning, and we've got mm. an audio comment. You know, we've been jabbering enough here. Let's let uh, let's let Robert talk a little bit. What mm. shall we? Surely. Hey, gabbers. Uh, this is Reverend Mark. Um, the last couple weeks, y'all, I mentioned we're talking about um, non-destructive uh, repartitioning, but there is two packages out there, uh, commercial packages available. One's iPetition, and the other one is um, Drive Genius. I've used Drive Genius, and it works like a charm. Um, uh, and uh, and I've done that to my uh, PowerBook, my G4 PowerBook, and I've done it to my uh, startup drive on my G uh, my G4. Uh, that's a G5 PowerBook, <laughs> G4 PowerBook, and my G5 Tower. Star um, drive on that, uh, especially when I had to install the new Final Cut Studio Pro. I'm sorry, the Final Cut Studio uh, 5.1 Universal uh, on my G5. I had to, had to ground up an extra 33 gigs, but uh, uh, but that's uh, that's those are two applications I used. Uh, uh, I petitioned. Uh, a friend of mine had it, and I didn't particularly care for it that much, uh, and I ended up not using it, and I ended up buying uh, Drive Genius, and it worked like a champ. You boot with the share CD, and, uh, and it goes right to the application, and it works works really really nice. Uh, uh, another thing is uh, uh, one one comment that I have on the podcast is, and, and I've, I had a couple of friends of mine listen to it, but you know they really don't. I, I got pulled. I pull information from them on what they think about your podcast, and, and they have the same comment that I have, that John's mic is way too hot. Ah, yes, we fixed that. That was after last, uh, couple. this was a comment from a couple of weeks ago, so, uh, and, and John's mic was a little hot. It was, I'm hot, It man. was breaking up a little bit, and we've fixed that since then. Uh, okay. So thank you very much, Robert. That's... Uh, Oh, that's good Pro to Soft. know. So ProSoft, guys. Yep, ProSoft oh makes they, drive. They gave me the goodie bag when I when I was there at MacWorld. Good. That, that, they have. Oh man, they they have a great array of products, and we will. Uh, yeah, and Drive Genius, I have, haven't yep. used it uh, as of late, but yeah, they have a bunch of great stuff, backup stuff, and yep. uh, Drive so, Fix Em Ups, the uh, Pitcher Undeleter. I especially oh, like that's that right. one. Yeah. 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 So. Uh, so there you go. That's well, you know, the, there's uh, been some. Been some news as of late, Dave. Have, uh, sh shall we go to this one? The virus thing. You want to the, the, uh, well, well, wait a minute. How, how are we doing on time here? Because uh, I want to get through. We'll, we'll we'll let the virus rant kind of come in at the end. Because I, I want to talk about this right. this music recognition conversation that we sort Ooh, of started last yes, week. Yes. I want to make sure we get through that. I found something. You found something. And and our listeners actually found two things. So yes. we started talking last week. Our one of our rants. At, you know we. We do we do some pre-production on this show. I actually do quite a bit of it uh, to sort of pull everything together. But occasionally, not even occasionally, heck, 
probably half the time our our gab is just that it's a it's us talking and uh and we've got a little script of of sort of topics and i try to order it and john tries to you know veer us off track and mm-hmm. so but that's okay uh but anyway we do wind up veering off track and wind up into territory that we haven't re- really you know overly researched for the show itself and uh and last week one of those things was the music recognition services that are available that we sort of alluded to and uh, and we talked about uh, one of them that, that, that sort of does this. <clears throat> and then, of course, you folks chimed in and uh, and helped us find everything else there. I think what we described where you dial from your cell phone a number and hold it up and let the song play into it. And then it texts you back with the uh, the name and artist of the song that that is at uh, it's called four one one song. And of course, you can read more about it at four one one song dot com, which is uh, which is great. And uh, I wanted to thank uh, I'm looking here. Oh, boy, uh, James for sending that into us. So uh, and James promises us an audio comment. But, uh, you know, as mm. of yet, nothing. So uh, so that was one of the things. And then the other thing that. It, I found really interesting. Stuart emailed us today and talked about this program, uh, which is a program bundled with a service called Tunatic, and it's free. Uh, it's at wildbits.com. And what it's an app for your Mac, so not nearly as handy as having it on your cell phone, say, but it uses your Mac speaker to basically do the same thing. You tell it, okay, yeah, go find a song, and it's free. You can do it as many times as you like. And it goes out and does it. And then, you know, listens to the song maybe for 10 seconds and then tells you, yep, here's what song it is. And so you can play things out of your iTunes library. Of course, your Mac speaker picks it back up and sends it in. I tried it with a bunch of songs today, John. Have you, did you try your thing with any songs to see how it worked? No. Okay. Well, I tried it with a bunch of songs. And the only I tried it with Stairway to Heaven, you know, common, common songs. I mm-hmm. tried it with uh, Rush's Tom Sawyer. I tried it with, you know, very, very common stuff. Uh, Ticket to Ride by the Beatles. The only one that Tunatic got right. Can you guess it, John? No. One song. What is it that you want to hear? I'm sorry. You're letting me down here. Freebird. (laughs) (laughs) And it got that right away, right out of the gate. So I'm not sure what what service they're using or how they're doing this, but uh, apparently those people have Freebird in their CD library, and mm-hmm. and that's a that's about it as far as the uh, I figured classic rock, you know, and I like I said I threw three or four classic rock songs at it, and Freebird was the only one it got, and it got that right away. So yeah, now uh, the one I found. Yep, I can mention a little here. I yeah. did a little research. So um, I have a uh, uh, Motorola V710. Uh, with Verizon, right? And well, the, the bad news is that it doesn't support Java like some other phones, like uh, yeah. Lisa's Razor, right? So Java is nice because it's a you know pretty open platform. Um, this particular phone that I have has something called Brew, which is basically, uh, as far as I can tell, a kind of proprietary, proprietary Java you know, <laughs> kind of deal where, well, a deal where they basically want to beat money out of you to download an app. Gotcha. And every now and then I'll use the phone and it's called, you know, get it now through Verizon. You know, you basically, and you can download demos and I do have the demo. The reason I haven't tried it is because the demo I downloaded has just one use and I haven't, you know, yet tried it. Right. But the, the one that I found uh, or that is on my phone and I haven't tried the demo yet, it's called um, Song Identify. Oh, and it's from go. a company, Rocket Mobile. Dot com, but they claim to have uh, a couple of million songs, and what you do is, you know, so you're hanging out with your buds, and 
and you hear a song and you're like, wow, what is that song? So you take the phone and you run this little program, uh, Song Identify, and it'll uh, supposedly, I haven't tried it yet. I, you know, I'll try it for the next show and I'll okay. let you know. I'll Please try do. some of the songs you mentioned. But yeah. the idea is that yeah. you, you know, let it sample some of the audio and it references a massive database and says, hey, this is or a not, song. Or and, not so massive. Right. And uh, <laughs> right now, and it seems the point they're at right now in their product is that it can identify the song, though they say here, I'm looking at their website, um, name and soon purchase and play. Now that sounds sweet. Pretty handy so you're somewhere and you hear a song and you you're grooving on it you're in a in a whatever a store and you hear a song you're like what is that song you hold up your phone it you know figures out what it is and you buy it later and i'm sure it makes verizon or whoever very happy that you buy it yep you know through the phone and they get a cut and these guys get a cut um so we we will do a link to that and if you have a verizon uh phone that does brew you can uh from what i can see get a demo and Give it a shot. Cool. But it sounds like a really neat technology because none of us know all the songs that are out there. No. Uh, uh, you know, but that does open up something. I was with a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago and we were driving in his car. He had satellite radio. I'll make this quick because I want to get to this virus thing. And, of course, we're mm-hmm. rambling on already. Uh, yeah. but, it, but this was a cool idea, at least to me, but I had it. Anyway, we're driving in his car. He's got satellite radio. And, you know, it shows you the name of the song and the artist and you can, you know, tweak all different kinds of things and get all different information about it, the genre, right? Why can't someone build uh, an app that, you know, with a little device that hooks into your satellite radio thing and you say, okay, yeah, look, I want this song, right? And then either it Bluetooths in when you get home or even, you know, over the air does its thing. But whatever, it could even Bluetooth to your computer at home, launch a, you know, even an Apple script right at that point could do this. Log into the iTunes music store, buy that song, download it for you. Bingo. You've got that song waiting for you there. And, you know, it could queue up maybe, you know, have a memory of 100 songs or whatever. So you just, you know, you keep saying, I want to buy this. I want to buy this. iTunes has that affiliate program, right? XM could be making money or whoever it is that decides to make this app could, you know, hard code their affiliate link in and make some money and everybody wins. Don't you think? Wouldn't that be cool? Yes. Rockin'. All right. Well, go write it. You're a programmer. Is it done yet? (laughs) Hang on. Let me, I'll hit pause and then you can tell me when it's done and we'll come right back. (laughs) How's that sound? No. (laughs) Oh man. Uh, All right. Quickly. All right, this show might run a little longer. We're at 38 minutes here. The AP, that is the Associated Press. Associated Press. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure what their association is right now or, mm. what they're asso- or what they've been doing. But anyway, the AP picked up an article today or yesterday, I guess, that uh, was back from February or a story anyway that started in February about some guy that claimed he got, you know, duped into installing a quote-unquote a virus on his Mac. Yes, it's the same story you and Yahoo picked it up and all that stuff, but it's the same story we all dealt with back in February. A, a, vi- a virus. Uh, you know, a- Andrew Welch, I believe is who it is over at Ambrosia Software, yep. had a Andy, great uh, great forum post. Yeah. Pretty did a pretty thorough decompilation of what it is. But but you know, I he called it a non a very non-virulent virus or more appropriately a Trojan horse, something that is different yeah. from that, which it seems you think you're getting one thing and you get another. To and, me, that's, that's a Trojan horse. You know, right I got there. a mini rant. Go. Yeah, the, go. The explain, MSF, but, but explain what it is first, please. Main, <laughs> the, the so-called 
mainstream media or MS, whatever. Yeah. Virus, guys. Virus, okay. To me, and we'll link to, you know, Wikipedia's definition, but to me, a virus is something that propagates without user intervention. Right. So tell them what it, this is, and, and, and then they can decide for themselves whether or not this thing well, is Well, I'd a say virus. this is probably well, to, to what Tell this them what thing it is, is, though. Tell them what it is. They got to know. We're, we're, so we're what talking happened in, was, there you go. so the story is about someone who downloaded what they thought was screenshots of the upcoming uh, Mac OS 10.5 Leopard, right? Ooh, 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 send them to me. <laughs> oh, wait, okay. wait, sorry. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> and it was purported to be, uh, it was in a compressed file, uh, TGZ, I think, a okay. uh, you know, compressed tarball. Yep. And um, so it promised to be a screenshot of the upcoming OS. So what happened is you would download this thing from, uh, I didn't actually look at it but you know i read the reports right so you get this thing you download it you decompress it and it's something that has an icon of a graphic file okay okay think oh boy oh boy you know here we go the icon you know dot you know and you know mac os 10 has very nice icons for all the graphic types so you look at that and you're like oh boy i'm gonna click on that and i'm gonna get to see a screenshot of the next mac os yeah well, unfortunately, what seemed to happen here is that it wasn't really a graphic file. It was uh, an executable or an application. With a sneaky, sneaky up, icon. And and we won't go into it because we're kind of running out of time here, and we, we may go into right. a little more detail, but basically it wasn't we're doing, we're doing a okay picture. It wasn't right. a screenshot. It was an application that mucked about with how... Um, it mucked about with the OS and did various nasty things. As it turns out, the virus or... No, now I'm doing it. <laughs> it wasn't a virus. It's a malware or a Trojan or whatever you want to call it. But then it started doing some really wacky things, and I think it brought up a terminal window, and it did stuff that was what you wouldn't expect from a graphic file. But but the you know the the thing is is that <clears throat> you don't download stuff. So what happened is it, it it was masquerading as a graphic file. Right. To me, that's a Trojan horse. Right? I mean, yeah. you know, we'll it reminds charge. me of that whole thing with the Greeks uh, where they, you know, the horse came in and it, it, what did it contain? Well, it wasn't horse guts, uh, that's for sure. Yes. Right? I mean, it, you And know. there were, you know, bad soldiers inside and, yeah. and you know, bad things happen. But, well, but the thing is, yeah. uh, uh, to me, uh, so number one, don't call something a virus if it's something that requires user intervention. Because to me, that is not a virus. I agree. Yeah. Um, secondly, you know, le- uh, like, you know, Hill Street Blues, let's be careful out there. <laughs> Phil Esterhouse. You know, if you download something, download it, please, from a source that you trust. Yeah. Uh, I like Mac Update. I like Version Tracker. These guys... But I those think, guys have the, the pictures of Leopard? No. <laughs> Sorry. I don't think so. And no. that's the thing. Is that, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so, number one, I think the, the, whoever downloaded this could find out that it was... Here, here's the if thing. They, if somebody had pictures oh. of Leopard... They just post them on their website because they want you to look at their website because they make money every time somebody yeah. looks at the site. I, you know, think about it, right? That mm-hmm. uh, That's just my, you know. No, I think in this case, if, if the person had actually looked at the file, they would have seen that it was not, in fact, a An graphic image. file. It yeah. was, in fact, yeah. an application. And we, and we did talk about this part at the time. It, it, it is the kind of thing that, that frankly could fool any of us, right? Because we get so used to just double-clicking on image files. You, you know, you, you, get, you see that icon, and, and this is, you know, where, where the Trojan horse is all about social engineering, right? You, yes. you, you want to convince people to do something, 
that, you know, for your benefit or, or I don't know what benefit someone would get from this, but whatever, you know, sick and twisted minds. Are, you're the are, alpha geek. Oh, right. oh, you're the, the person alpha that geek. wrote it. Right. Well, the person that wrote it. Yeah, they're, they're whatever. Yeah. They, you know. Script kitties. I don't know. Script kitties. There you go. Yeah. <sighs> One step above because they're not copying somebody else's script. Right? You know, they're if you got mad skills and you can write an app that can do this sort of stuff, why don't you go out and get a real job? Use your powers for good. <laughs> and not evil. Yes. I, I think so. so. So, you know, try to download your stuff from a, a, a site that you or an individual that you trust. I agree. That's... Now, I don't know if you want to, though you may want to, but in this case, from what I understand, if you had actually looked at this thing yeah. and had actually gotten the uh, you know the info on it, you would have seen that it wasn't a graphic file. Right. Even it had but, the but, icon... to, but to, to everyone's credit, uh, you know, I don't know. I haven't looked at... I've, I've gotten hun- hundreds of image files via email and, and elsewhere, and I've never checked to make sure it's actually an image file, so... Uh, well, no. but but then when you look at it, you probably see there's a .jpg on it, not a right. .app something right. else. That's true. That's true. Because in that case, if you saw that, or I, w- I would think most of our listeners, if you saw in your email an attachment that had a .app, oh yeah, I, yeah, you yeah. probably should. And, and actually, a lot of email programs, I, I think, will point that right. out. It's like That's true. Uh, this know. this of course is buried in a tarball, so you know, eh, whatever. <sighs> ah, the band came in. The band came in. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I think that's... I'm trying to think if that's the same snare drum. <laughs> it might be, actually. I don't think I had my new snare drum by the time we recorded this, whenever whenever that was, 10, 15 years ago. I think it's the same snare drum I played before, so... Anyway, this is, that's a, it doesn't matter. It's a whole other uh, conversation. So, so, on that note... On that note... Well, hey, we had fun. We hope you did, too. Yeah. If you... Uh, yeah. It, we do have... Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about emulation uh, next time around. We've got our conversation about boot camp that's, that's coming back around. It seems to take you folks mm-hmm. about 10 days from when we release the show to get your questions or comments or reports into us en masse. Uh, so, if you're listening and you're not participating, which, of course, is fine, you're participating just by listening. So, that, actually, that's not true. You're not listening without participating. You're just listening and participating silently, which is fine. But if you are if you are of that crowd, that's why you'll see topics sort of uh, leapfrog. We'll, we'll talk about them one week and then skip a week and then talk about them again because it takes time. Not everybody listens to the show the moment it comes out. And uh, so it takes time for, for the comments to come in. And we like to make sure we get the right ones in, in place and talk about them on the show. So send them in. Uh, don't think a comment has, don't think a topic has gotten stale if you have something to add because by nature of you having something to add, it has not gotten stale. So, mm-hmm. right? That's the way it goes. Mac Geek Gab at MacObserver.com is the place to send your comments. You can send audio comments there. Make them as big as you like. Uh, you can Skype them into Mac Geek Gab and you, of course you can call 206-666-GEEK. Geek. Which is four three three five, ooh, right? Good one. Yeah, I think, I think it's four so. three three five. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. That's it. Uh, Where should people go? Um, they should go to po- Portable, Portable Media Expo because we're going to be there. Because we're going to be there. That's right. Uh, of course, you've downloaded we'll sign this. Autographs. You've downloaded you this so? thanks to Cashfly Hosting. <laughs> The Backbeat Media Podcast Network is where you're going to advertise on this show and others. One-stop shopping. Podcast Alley, iTunes comments. Yeah, thanks for your votes. We were at number one when I checked before. Don't get caught. Thank you. Thank. (laughs) Don't get caught. What do you mean?